All right, we're going to get back to your calls in a second. Also give you an opportunity to go see the DSO June 30th uh, through July 3rd at Greenfield Village. It's Salute to America. We'll give you an opportunity to win those tickets coming up at 305 We'll get back to your calls in just a second. I want to throw this into the mix because of 49% of registered voters, uh, 49% of those registered voters have a negative view of Vice President Kamala Harris compared to 32% who have a positive view. That is a net negative rating of minus 17, which is the lowest ever for a vice president in this NBC polls history. Uh, In October of 2019, to put it into perspective, then-Vice President Mike Pence, 34% of people had a positive view. 38% of people had a negative view for a rating of minus 4. So you see how that works, the difference of positive and negative. So the fact that you've got a minus 17 rating is is pretty drastic. And even of those registered voters, you're sub-500 of people who actually think you're doing a good job. Um. So what are the what are the ramifications of these numbers? What are the ramifications of having somebody on the ticket that that is polling so poorly? Do they bring you down? Adrian Hammond uh, is uh, with us this afternoon here on JR Afternoon. Uh, he is a Democratic strategist. He joins us. Uh, Adrian, good to have you with us. Uh, I'm curious to know what you make of this poll. Do you think these numbers potentially drag down Joe Biden uh, in what we expect to be his reelection efforts. Thanks for having me. Yeah, potentially. um, The first thing you have to say is that President Biden's poll numbers aren't all that great right now. Um, They're they're better than Vice President Harris's numbers. Certainly those are sort of historically bad, but um, he's not he's not doing great poll number wise himself right now. Now, um, look, having somebody on the ticket who has net negative favorability job approval numbers is never going to be a positive for you. Um, so I, I, I certainly don't think it's helpful. Um, you know, people in general are not voting for the number two person on the ticket. Um, I think historically that's just the case. But um, you know, typically you want to have somebody that's more popular than you as your number two, not someone who, who's less popular. Well, and I think that goes into and, and, and I think that may play more and correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, but that may play more here because if if Joe Biden were to be reelected, he is he is older. He's the oldest president we've ever had. And so when you're dealing with maybe some of the perceived mental decline that he's that he's undergone again, that's perceived by people. Uh, not diagnosed, and then potentially you've got a number two that that is polling so poorly. Um, I imagine that people are going to look at that more critically than maybe normal. I certainly think that that's possible, right? The president is quite old. Um, Now, as soon as you say that, his likely opponent in the general election next year, former President Trump, is also quite old. Um, And so, um, you know, you, you you have to weigh those two things. But um, I do think it it will get brought up, right, that if uh, he's not able to complete his term, that Vice President Harris would replace him um, and Republicans would be um, not doing their job if they didn't bring that up. In terms of of what how you would counsel uh, the these reelection campaigns, whether it's Joe Biden or or Kamala Harris, how, how do you bring those numbers up? Because I think that there is a there is a sense that. 
once you've it, it's like a first impression once you've made that first impression it's really hard to make that first impression again so if you've got people that feel so the, the that are so down on Kamala Harris and and as you mentioned Joe Biden how do how how should they be getting those numbers up because and 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 from Kamala Harris perspective she's not visible they don't they don't do a lot with her so she's not out in public very often she doesn't give a lot of speeches uh, anymore um so how how would you counsel these these campaigns? You know, I think you hit on one thing. The vice president is not especially visible right now. Now, she's had some stumbles when she has been visible, and I think you have to acknowledge that. But the only way to improve those numbers is to get out and put yourself in front of voters in a positive context. Um, and I think that that's something that the Biden campaign is going to have to rely on her for at some point. Uh, because he is quite old. You know, it's clear that the president enjoys campaigning. Um, you know, he's been doing that for a long time, whether as, you know, running for president or as a U.S. senator. Um, but he's quite old. And so he's not going to be able to keep the schedule that we might traditionally associate with a presidential campaign. He's going to need to be able to rely on her and some other surrogates. So I think it is important to get her out there in a positive context. And I think part of the way that you do that is getting her out campaigning for the president um, with some folks who are more popular. Our own governor is a good example of that, right? Um, governor Whitmer's poll numbers are quite good uh, by the standards of contemporary American politics. And, uh, you know, putting her out there with uh, folks like Governor Whitmer, like Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania, um, Jared Polis in Colorado, that's one way to help start to buoy her numbers a little bit is to put her out there with some pop- uh, some politicians that have better numbers than her. Well, we'll see if they take that advice. Uh, But as of now, she's not very visible. And I think because of that, her net negative rating, uh, according to this new NBC poll, minus 17, lowest ever for a vice president in the history of that poll. Adrian Hamm, always appreciate chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, you got it. Uh, 800-859-0957. You want to weigh in on that? Do you vote for presidents based on the vice president? And, And I think that will become more prevalent as we go forward based on the age of the president and the the potential running uh, or the potential challenger in Donald Trump, both pretty old. So do you put more stock into the vice president? 800-859-0957. All right, let's knock a couple of these calls out. Dave's in Detroit. What's up, Dave? Yeah, I just was listening to the show, and, and a little earlier you said you were disappointed in the people that were, you know, involved in the January 6th, uh, you know, riot and all that. And I, but, but this is the thing I'd like to ask you personally. Yeah. If, uh, uh, if let's just say that a Republican got elected president next okay. election, yeah. and there was a true investigation of that election, just, just surmising, and, and what if that election was stolen? All right, just just if it was, would you look at those people that actually stormed the Capitol? Would you look at them differently? Here's what I'll tell you: that if if a Republican were to win in 2024, here you want to know what I actually want to see. Here's what I want to see: I want to move on. I'm done with this. I, I'd like to move on, and 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 quite frankly, I, I I would hope that that a lot. I think a lot of people feel that way. I, I truly believe that we should be moving on. I think we should be moving on from 2020. I think we should be moving on from January 6th, although this is a new report, which is why I wanted to bring it to you. I think we should be moving on. I don't, I don't know that we need to constantly be going back and relitigating political uh, f- fights, whether it's Republican, 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 Democrat, whatever. Part of me just wants to move on. I would, I would like... 
a lot of these agencies to just handle the business as it's happening. But if we're not going to do that, I, from for for the good of this country, I feel like we need to just move on in a lot of these cases. Dave, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Uh, Tim and White Lake, what's up, Timmy? Hey, uh, I, I really find this, uh, the release of this port, uh, report very suspicious, and uh, it, it's hard to believe. Number one, why why is it being released now? Number two, what are they trying to, you know, what are the, what's motivating them to do this now? Let's look at some facts that have already been asserted and everybody can easily confirm All right, re- them. real quick, Number Tim, one, real quick. All right. Speaker of the House is responsible for the security of the of Congress. Okay, it's there's already been news releases that the FBI intercepted um, electronic communications between Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. It's already been reported that they not only shared that information with President Trump, but also with the Senate Majority Leader and the Chief of Staff for Nancy Pelosi. It's already been established that President Trump offered 10,000 National Guard troops to the mayor of Washington, D.C., and Nancy Pelosi. They were roundly, those offers were roundly rejected. We already know what the regular staffing levels are for security for Capitol Hill. So, Tim, what's your point? My point is something doesn't make sense here. They're, They're trying to rewrite history. Well, I don't know about yeah, that. I, I mean, I, 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 I can understand that. Again, j- just for, for the record, the Speaker of the House is not in charge of Capitol security. That falls to the Capitol Police Board. So I just I wanted to clear that up. But number two, the fact that this report comes out shows that there are there were serious breakdowns in the FBI, serious breakdowns in the Department of Homeland Security. Got to take a break. More next.